Amen. In the Old Testament, we read of Moses, and he turned the water into blood, which was a type of God's judgment. We come to this wonderful miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ here, and he turns the water into wine, and it's joy, joy. God's children should be joyful, very joyful. The wee boy was down at his granny's one day, and he went out for a walk. And he went down round the fields for a wee walk, and he came across this big donkey standing looking over the fence. And he called to the donkey, and the donkey came over to him, and he stroked the donkey's nose. And he looked at the donkey, and he says, My, you really look like a good Christian. You know, that's like some of us sometimes. We never smile. We never enjoy life. We don't enjoy our food. Everybody's off step but us. And we don't enjoy the wine of God's salvation. Up in the revival in the Isle of Lewis, when the revival came, there was an old man, and he used to wonder he was a bit odd because he would talk to himself. But he's a happy old man. And when revival came, they went to his house to get saved because he had a joy, he had a peace, he had a friendship with God that the people that were unsaved wanted. I wonder when they look at you, do they think that at you? When they look at you at work, when they look at you at home, when you go grocery shopping or whatever it is, and do they see the joy of God's salvation? Here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he goes to this wedding, and it's the beginning of miracles. Now, there are apocryphal books and so forth, some added books to the Bible. They talk about Christ doing miracles when he was a child and so forth, but that's not true. They're dishonest. Other people in television would talk about Jesus' miracles before this. But this is the first miracle he's doing. And verse 1 tells us a place in Cana of Galilee. An obscure place, a quiet place. Small little village. It wasn't Jerusalem or Rome or London or anything like that. The miracle in an obscure place. And he's doing a miracle. I wonder do we believe in miracles today? Oh, no, I think the miracles all ended at the end of the New Testament. Well, if you were in some of these other churches where there's a great need, need for food, need miracles happen, friend. Do we need miracles? Well, we don't have to pray for food because there's enough left over from dinner time to do us for tomorrow and a couple of days more. And there's plenty of food in the cupboard. Do we need to pray for clothes? No, we don't need to pray for clothes because there's plenty in the cupboard and there's more money. Do we need to pray for money? No, we have money. Yeah, we complain plenty. It's an obscure place. The miracle's taking place at a wedding, a marriage. What type of a marriage was it? It was a marriage of male and female. It wasn't some of the marriages we have today. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked. And then it says, together with unbelievers. You see, it's possible to have one of these so-called modern marriages, but they're not according to the word of God. The saved Male, female, saved and unsaved. The saved marry the saved. Same in business. Be not unequally yoked in business. If you want the Lord's blessing in your business, you want the Lord's blessing on your wedding, then you must follow the guidelines which is given in the Word of God. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's invited to the wedding. I believe that's one of the mistakes that some people make. We don't invite the Lord to come with us. We run on without the Lord sometimes. 
Some young people run into marriage without the Lord and into business without the Lord and they don't invite the Lord to guide them and instruct them and to speak to them and close the door or open the door. He's invited to the wedding. Do you invite the Lord into your home? Do you invite the Lord into the business, into the family? Invited. Opening the door and inviting him in. Have you invited the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. So there's the first step. To ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, into your heart, and ask him and invite him in. You know what I mean. There's houses, some houses you don't want to be invited in. And there's other houses you just love to be invited in. There's a welcome. You know how to invite the Lord in. Welcome him in. Joy. He comes into your life. Oh, he brings forgiveness. He brings so much. He brings eternal life. He brings the wine of God's salvation. Here's a wedding. And they're running out of wine. Now, that was the scarcity of wine. It's an embarrassing situation. A wedding. In those days, well, they've provided the food and the garments and they've provided so much and there's word goes through to Mary, they're running out of wine. What has happened? Is there a lack of money? (laughs) Who was paying for the wedding? Did they not put enough money forward? Was there a lack of organizations? Was there too many invitations going out? And after all, Jesus came along and he, he would have probably about six disciples with him. There's extra guests. What are we going to do? This hasn't been planned out well. This is not going to go well with the two families. His side and her side. The mother-in-laws, I'm sure, would have something to say about that one, wouldn't they? It's a bad start to a wedding. Who's to blame? There's many, many problems in married life, surely. There's many problems in life, but oh my, when we go to the Lord Jesus Christ, he can solve the problems. He can solve them. Yeah. He can come in and do a miracle. There was a prisoner once in Korea. And it was apple time, harvesting apples. But this lady, she'd been in prison a long time. She was a child of God's. And she'd been in so long and she'd been hungry so long her teeth were loose. And she said to the officer, she said, I would love an apple. And he laughed he said, not much chance of that, dear. But a day or two later, the officer came back and he opened the cell door and he set her in here. He says, there's apples for you. There's plenty of them. And she opened the box and they were all rotten brown. She says, thank you, Lord. She says, Lord, if those were fresh apples, I wouldn't have the teeth to eat them, but you sent them ready for me to eat. And she shared them around her cell and the Lord gave her an apple. Here's a scarcity of wine. Here's the Lord. They have no wine, Mary says in verse 3. They have no wine. Now, Mary was in a position of authority here. Jesus was invited to the wedding, but Mary was there. We're not sure what position, but there's a something about authority in here as a guest. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the beginning of his public ministry. He's leaving the authority of his mother. Can you get a hold of that? 
He's leaving the authority of his mother. He's going out into this public ministry. And now he's going to have to let the world know that he's under the authority of his heavenly father. This is something special. And in verse 4 we read, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Now there's a gentle rebuke here, but what he's saying is, Mother, I'm not under your authority any longer. I've got to do what my heavenly Father wants me to do. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, up to this time, yes, he was under his heavenly Father's authority, but he was under Mary's authority, and now he's moving away from his mother's authority. He's going into his ministry. He's going to have his first miracle. He's going to have authority over the disciples. He's going to show them that he has authority over the wedding. He's going to show them that he has authority over nature. Mine hour has not yet come. It's not just time yet for the first miracle because they haven't run out of wine. You see, they've got to run out of wine in case they mix the old wine with the new wine. In case there's a deception here. Mine hour has not come. The timing's not right for the first miracle. My timing's not right for Calvary yet. I'm under my father's authority. Going to be a clean-cut miracle. Man, when the Lord Jesus Christ does a miracle, when he saves a sinner, that's the greatest miracle that can happen. It's a clean-cut miracle. It's not some old empty profession. No, it's not. And he comes not only to do the miracle, but he came on time. Rome, Roman church tells us to go to Mary. Mary says, no, here you have to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. They come to Mary and says, look, no, 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 it's not me, it's him. It's Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus Christ you turn to. That's who it is. He is the one now that has authority, not Mary. So we have the scarcity of the wine and the Lord Jesus turns. And he said to the disciples, or to the workers, he said there in verse 6, there are six water pots of stone, a manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Plenty of water for washing hands, washing dishes, washing feet. Plenty of water. Six water pots of stone. I'm not sure all the details, but there could be in around 100 to 150 gallons here. Tremendous amount of water. Fill the water pots with water. And I like this, they filled them up to the brim. Mary's advice, she calls for obedience. She calls for the Lord Jesus Christ to give direction. She calls for the workers to be obedient. She calls them to look to Jesus, the one with authority, the omnipotent over nature. Six water pots. You say, hold on a minute, Reverend Baxter, when I read that there, what do you want water for? It's wine you want. It's wine you want. Fill the water pots with water. Now, there weren't old wine baskets filled with water, for that would flavor the water. It's water pots. It's water. There's no deception here. There's no cheating here. Oh, man, I, I see them filling the water bottles. Uh, water bottles, they go to the well and they bring it up and they fill up one pot, two pots, three pots, and they fill them up to the very brim. Now, there's a reason for that. You couldn't mix anything in with them. 
But not I see you more in the regions. I, I see obedience here. I see dedication here. I see enthusiasm here. As I said, it looks foolish. <laughs> we don't need water. It's wine we need. But here's a lovely obedience. Here's a preparation for a miracle. Who was the first to know about the miracle? It was the workers. And I'll tell you something in this church. The first to know about miracles in this church and in this district will be the workers. As I said this morning, Stephen, what did he do? Brought food, brought clothes, brought shoes, brought some money, went round the widows, went round the orphans. The first person to see the miracle was those with enthusiasm and obedience and dedication to whatever little job was given them. What job? Filling water bottles, bottles, carrying water. It's not easy, by the way. It's hard work. Looks foolish. The governor, who's he? Talks there about the governor, talks about the ruler of the feast. Well, in those days, they put a man in charge of a wedding. You see, weddings went on for a day or two, and this man, he was like the bouncer, we would call him. Any misbehaving, he would say, no, that's enough of that. Anyone maybe drinking too much wine, now stop, that's enough of that. Or he would also be there, remember Samson's weddings, and those riddles, and those stories told. And this governor, this ruler would be there to give the riddles and the stories and keep the wedding moving. And he was the man in charge. He was the ruler of the feast. It says there in verse 9, And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, it was made wine. He knew that, whence it was. The servants knew it. <laughs> the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. He said, they've left the best wine to the last. As he said, the first to know what God is doing is the worker. In times of revival, in times of blessing, there's people come along to the churches and they never see the blessing. They never grasp a hold of revival because they never get involved. Oh, now, Reverend Baxter, I just go in and warm a shine a pew and go home again. Well, they'll be hard to shine for there's cushions on them. I, I just slip in and out and I don't get involved. The Lord doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to get into the service and the work. And he will do the miracle. You and I don't have to go out looking for miracles. Just do the work. Just do the obedience. Just do as the Lord asks us to do. He'll do the rest. He'll do it, friend. Oh, here he is. They followed the command of the Lord in obedience. No matter what the critics say, they fill up the water bottles to the brim. We don't need water. Sure, this is only the carpenter's son. Who does he think he is? I don't like the way he spoke to his mother anyway. That's the critics. But the boys are standing there and I see the sweat running down their jaws and the water pots, six, 150 gallons, 100, 150, 130, 40, 50 gallons, all filled up and they're standing waiting, watching what's going to happen next. And the supply, oh my, the supply. The governor tastes, he gives it to the bridegroom and they t oh, taste and see that God is good, isn't that right? Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. What does that mean? Well, you went to a wedding and you were thirsty and they would set forth the good wine and you would drink. And after a few times of drinking, now I'm not talking about drunkenness. 
People say after they were drunk, you could give them a bad wine. But uh, we had coffee today. And the first cup of coffee is the nicest one, isn't it? Surely. And the second cup of coffee, well, it's quite nice too. But after you have two or three cups, you rub your jaws and the flavor's gone. I'll leave that. I'll do me. And here was when they were satisfied their taste buds. Then there came the cheaper wine. We used to live outside Newry, and I went down to a hostel there for alcoholics. There's a wee lady there, and I got to know her, and we used to sit and chat sometimes. And she would save her money up. Sister Concilios, that's the name of it. She would save her money up, and then she would disappear for a week or two. And she'd go down to the local pub, and she would get brandy and whiskey. She'd drink it. And then as the money got a wee bit scarcer, she'd take wine, mix it with the beers and bits and pieces. And then she would finish up on the side of the street, and she would mix shoe polish with methylated spirits, and she would take that. You say you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. Because I was there one night when she came back in, and there her mouth and lips were black with the shoe polish and the methylated spirits. I tell you, the world's wine doesn't satisfy. The world's wines don't satisfy. But oh, here's the wine of God's salvation, the wine that God gives. And did the Lord make alcoholic wine? I don't think so. In fact, I'm sure he didn't. The Bible teaches that, that, that wine's a mockery, strong drink. The Bible teaches against it. Was the Lord Jesus Christ going to make them drunk that they would fight and argue? And Not at all. The miracle he does here is a miracle, a clean-cut miracle. It's quiet. It's not on TV. It's not on Facebook. Remember Naaman? Naaman wanted Elisha to come out and put his hands on him and bring down the BBC cameras and all the rest of them and have a great meeting and a wonderful healing service. No, it's not like that. You do the work. You walk in obedience, and the Lord will do the miracle quietly for you. And the miracle was needed. God doesn't do miracles when we don't need them. Only when they're needed. And he does them exactly on time. Not early, and not late. Oh my, this miracle, what a joy it brought to the wedding. Can you see the Lord Jesus Christ? He wasn't going to interrupt their happiness, interrupt their wedding day. He wasn't going to allow a few bottles of wine or jars of wine to destroy their happy days. He encouraged happiness. He encouraged joy. He encouraged this. Oh my, not only was there wine for the there's plenty left over. When he fed the 5,000, oh, they were searching about for the last piece of... No, they weren't. There was plenty. When God comes and he saves a sinner, now there's plenty of forgiveness and there's plenty left over. His grace is bountiful. Plentiful. Forgiveness. Forgiveness today. And thank God there's forgiveness for tomorrow. Oh, God's salvation is a new creation. This miracle was a complete new creation. Oh, modernists try to explain it this way and that way. But God took water and he turned it into wine. The world's wines, they run out, friend. Some of you have tried them, haven't you? 
an old man and he used to drink quite a bit and he said he would go into the pub and the first whiskey he would take he would oh that's terrible stuff but he said after he got one or two he started to enjoy it then as the night run on and as the money run out he would make his way home and empty hearted again the joy of the world this is a little joy but it runs out but the joy of God's increases the joy of God's salvation increases as you go through life in this world. Man, what will it not be like on the other side? God's salvation, a new creation. Old things pass away. And behold, all things become new. New desires, a new love. Things you once hated, now you love them. You've begun to pray. Yeah. Said this morning, the dying thief, Stephen, as well. They died praying. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when the angels sing their choirs and their choruses and you walk down the golden streets. Lord, I want to be with you. That's what he's saying. God's salvation. God's salvation. God's wine. It's a new creation. It's a new destiny. It's a new desire. It's heaven. It's not hell. Then we get to the other side. There's the marriage feast of the Lamb. The joys of heaven. Here's this miracle. The wine. It's the first miracle among the disciples. For you and I, the first miracle is God's salvation. Oh, forgiveness. Peace of God. Guilt removed. And as we go through life, there's more joys. What do we learn from this? Very quickly, our time is gone. The Lord Jesus Christ has sympathy when times are going hard. He's sympathy with housekeeping, hasn't he? There's the lady in the kitchen and she sends out word, the wine's running out. The Lord wasn't hard on them. The Lord didn't say, it's your fault. You didn't organize it right. It's your fault, mister. You hadn't enough money to buy wine. He didn't do anything to that. The Lord stepped in and solved the problem. Wine speaks of joy. Friend, you and I have problems. What do we do? Go and tell the wife. Go and tell the neighbor. Told a man the other week, and I said, if you had a problem with your young fellow, what would you do? I'd go to see the psychiatrist. <laughs> that would help, wouldn't it? Take it to the Lord in prayer. And whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he steps into the problem, and he supplies an abundant amount of joy and wine. He's not a skin flint. He's not a skin flint. Oh, he didn't spoil the wedding. He didn't go in and say, now, you know, I have enough problems of my own. I don't have any money in my pocket. And anyway, I'm on my way to Calvary to die, and I have sorrows of my own. I am a man of grief and acquainted with sorrow. No, he didn't. He went in there, and there was joy, and he increased the joy. He increased it. He encouraged enjoyment in life, friend. He encouraged... Man, the good shepherd, what a shepherd he is. He provides for us. He cares for us. He guides us. And one day we're going to pass over to the other side to the heavenly wedding. You know what weddings are like. The music, the joy. What's heaven like? The golden streets, the mansion... 
I think often of those people up there in Korea, in prison or in China. They're lying in their rags in an old filthy prison. And they fall asleep in Christ in death. And they waken in the glories of heaven. The Lord shows them their mansion. And he says, we better get rid of those old rags and I'm going to clothe you in white linen. You're going to sit at the table and feast with me. And they enter into the glories of heaven and they go along and there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, the disciples, James, John, Peter, Doubting Thomas. <laughs> I'd like to have a chat with Doubting Thomas someday, wouldn't you? There they are. And they look around and they see friends from church and families, and loved ones. They look across at the head of the table. And there's the Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant. And we'll look up at the Lord Jesus Christ at the head of the table. And you know what we're going to say? Lord, you've kept the good wine until now. Amen. We're going to sing a wee verse in closing, please. 437. 437. I love this old hymn. Remember when I was just a boy singing this? In some of the missionary meetings, where he may lead me, I will go, for I have learned to trust him so. And I remember it was for me that he was slain on Calvary. And then it says, Oh, I delight in his command.